These episodes, recorded during the COVID-19 pandemic, focus on disability, eugenics, and mutual aid. We're hoping to capture some of the conversations that disabled people and our allies are having about issues such as healthcare infrastructure, medical triage, eugenics, and technology as it is unevenly distributed across the population. These episodes are also going to come out at a different rate than the regular Contra episodes, so please make sure to subscribe on Google, Apple, or Stitcher so that you don't miss any. This is Amy Hamrai, and I'm so excited to be here with Jay Salazar from the Disability Justice Culture Club based in the Bay Area. Welcome, Jay. Hi, Amy. How's it going? Um... As good as can be expected. <laughs> yeah, hanging in there. Um, well, so I am so thrilled to talk to you because the Disability Justice Culture Club has really been modeling what mutual aid can be like from a disability justice perspective. And um, I'm hoping we can capture some of that here and uh, translate it for our audience. So to start, can you just tell us about what DJCC is and where it started? Uh, DJCC started uh, with uh, the fires. Um, we've uh, had multiple years of fires here in uh, California. And um, so kind of figuring out that we were going to have to take care of ourselves and our community. Uh, and that that was needed in a, in a broader scale um, was the way things uh, got started with DJCC. DJCC is uh, a disabled QTPOC centered and led coalition focusing on justice and freedom, community and joyful resistance. And it's a space for all of us. Wonderful. So um, during the forest fires, um, what were some of the uh, strategies that you all were using to organize? And what sorts of things were you doing? Um, we were that we were um, connecting uh, people with resources, like we know some 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 of the people in our community have a lot of resources that we cannot tap into due to uh, financial burdens and uh, difficulty with getting to places and things like that. Um, so we were connecting volunteers and getting them uh, connected with 
people that needed resources like uh, I was doing a lot of like making sure that the windows were blocked off from the smoke coming in and we were doing uh, DIY um, uh, air purifiers because we didn't have any any air purifiers or fans or anything in the uh, stores anymore, even though they were so expensive, uh, they were all gone. So that's that's kind of how it all got started. Yeah, and if, do I remember correctly that you all were also protesting against the electricity being shut off? Yeah, yeah, we uh, shut down uh, PG&E uh, for one um, morning. Uh, and uh, made we uh, did a rally, and we're con this is something that is something that is going to continue to happen. It's uh, kind of like just it was a, a way to bring attention to something that to a bigger um, bigger conversation that needs to happen about PG&E and how much they are profiting and how much. Um, uh, uh, how much um, people they're endangering and how people were saying oh it's just um, it's just a couple of days without power it's okay it's not a big deal and that is true for a lot of the able-bodied and well-resourced people but unfortunately that is not true for people with uh, health conditions and chronic illnesses people that need to keep their meds refrigerated people that need to sleep with uh, ventilators and things like that we kind of realize uh, what's the plan if, if we end up not having power and um, someone that we know and love end up not having their ventilator uh, working. And it wasn't enough to say, well, I'll lay here and die. Um, because unfortunately, that's how uh, some of our community was seen, because there wasn't any, anyone else responding to the need of, this is how we can fix it, or this is what the resources in our community or this is what we need uh kind of thing and hopefully we are getting ready unfortunately and uh hopefully we are going to be more ready for the next year's uh fire season and having um uh battery packs or uh power generators so that we can have some backup to the people that uh, most needed to, to, to breathe. Uh, I don't think that is too much to ask from PG&EN. And when we asked for money to purchase those generator, generators and stuff like that, they came back with, we asked for like $10,000 and they came back, back with like a, $4,000 uh, offer, which did not help at all. 
um, to the big broader perspective of how much they are profiting and how much they are affecting everyday customers. Yeah, I just want to highlight that, you know, you all have been working on this issue of access to ventilators and masks and breathing and survival um, for even longer than the coronavirus pandemic has been going on. And there are so many different parts to what DJCC is doing. Like there's the direct action part, there's the mutual aid part, there's like designing your own DIY air purifiers part, like disability engineering kind of stuff. And all of these are working together. And I think a lot of non-disabled people don't realize that disabled people are often doing all of those things together anyways. It's like what we do. We like hack our environments, we build community, we share our resources, and we also make demands for things to change. Um, and so this is, there's really like a history of this and you all are part of that history. And even within your collective, um, the transition that you all made for me was really interesting from doing the PG&E work to what you're doing now with mutual aid around coronavirus. So do you wanna talk about that a little bit? Like, what are y'all doing now? How does it build on these previous networks and strategies that you've been using? I mean, it's it's a learning process every time we do this. And every day that we uh, start a new day, we're learning something different in how to connect people and what questions to ask and how are we uh, using our resources the best way possible. Unfortunately, uh, we know that people with resources are very well resourced and are first to ask for resources. And because of shame, because of um, ableism, and because of the lack of knowing what's out there because we're so busy surviving every day, we are not able to, to tap into those resources the way people that have them do. Um, and that's one of the things that we were seeing in, um, during the fires, um, um, that people that had a lot of resources and that uh, were able to, to get the uh, things in other ways, we're asking for resources. Um, so that's one of the things that we, we learned from there then that we've been really um, intentionate about uh, doing this time and making sure that we reach our, uh, the people that most needed. We're working with uh, unhoused people and people with disabilities and elders. A lot of our elders hold so much and have so much knowledge and are also just really isolated all of the time. So this is, this is not something uh, socially isolating. Uh, it's not something that they're doing for the first time. So there's a lot that we can learn from, from uh, all their wealth of knowledge that they carry. We have uh, about a 300 and, and everyday growing um, 
pool of volunteers and donors and uh, donors of masks and uh, people that want to donate funds and uh, to help others and things like that. Uh, and just people that just want to do something. Uh, people that are feeling like there, there is a lot of need and there is not enough of our government and our uh, emergency uh, resources that we should be getting that are actually being brought to us that um, are willing to help. So we're connecting people with uh, people that can cook and people that can go shopping for elders and um, people that can do laundry. There's, there's, there's just like a lot of need and fortunately there's also just a lot of people wanting to help. Yeah, that's great. Um, I noticed I was looking over your forms, like your intake forms for mutual aid, and there are two separate ones. There's one for um, people who have resources to give and one for people who need resources. And a thing I thought was really um, instructive and would be a good model for other mutual aid organizers to check out, especially, is the form for people who are asking for resources. Because it's very different than a lot of the ones I've seen in other cities in that in the ways that it focuses on disability and has so much nuance around disability. So as just as some examples, um, you know, it's translated into multiple languages. Um, it asks questions like, do you need someone who is fragrance free um, to be the person who's providing assistance? Um, you know, if you, if coronavirus continues for a few months, um, what kinds of emergency assistance may you need later, which is a thing that disabled people think about all the time, um, but non-disabled people may not think about that sort of like future planning. Um, there's stuff about like meal restrictions, allergies, um, you know, so, and then also asking about social location, like race and, um, class and things like that. And so to me, like your form really embodies disability justice and all of the philosophies of dis disability justice um, so well. And it's um, doing this very functional thing, which is connecting people to resources at the same time. But it seems like a lot of what you're just saying about like, you know, how do you make sure that it's not just the people with the most resources who get access to the resources like you can i can see how those concerns are really built into the questions that you're asking so i think that's really amazing yeah thank you yeah i think that um we realize that there even though there's so much uh help out there for for just able-bodied people um there there isn't a thought there's not not a lot of intention or thought going into the people that uh really need help um and that can be for like you said being fragrance free we try to uh keep these things in mind with everything we do for example the uh the coronavirus kit thing that we were making and when we started uh, looking for unscented 
uh, hand sanitizer. There was, there was none before there was a need. Um, now there's such a scarcity that people that actually need scented free hand sanitizer would not be able to get it. A, because there isn't any, and B, because people aren't making it. People aren't thinking, oh, it needs to be scent free. Most people are thinking, oh, let me mask the smell of the alcohol because that way it'll smell nicer. But don't think of the, all the people that have allergies and chemical sensitivity. So that was one of the things that we were doing. Uh, that's one of the first things that we started doing was like creating our own scent-free uh, hand sanitizer and distributing it to people that need it the most. Um, our, our home base, which is in Oakland, California, uh, is completely scent-free. Um, uh, that's why we, uh, we, we want to say that it's a space for everyone. And it's completely uh, disabled-oriented. Uh, there's ramps and there's um, low counters and uh, accessible bathrooms, not only accessible to wheelchair, but just like unscented. How many times do we go into a, 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 a restaurant and the first thing that hits you is the, the really strong smell of uh fragranced something and i'm not since i'm not um uh i don't have any chemical sensitivities and when i go into a bathroom that is highly uh scented my 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 nose gets irritated or it's just bothersome there's for some people that it's not just bothersome it's it's life-threatening and we don't have people thinking like that we don't have enough people yeah. yeah i completely agree with you i so i am a chemically injured person and i remember a few weeks ago before we all had to start um staying at home um there was a period when people were still out and about but they were using hand sanitizers all the time and i made a simple request that people just buy unscented hand sanitizer because the scent was so strong and it was it was like knocking me out sometimes and i was told that i should just stay home um and that i was putting other people in danger because using hand sanitizer was necessary to battle coronavirus and i was like you know what else is necessary to battle coronavirus like having lungs that are breathing and not having an asthma attack and stuff you being know, able to walk nice. outside yeah being able to walk outside i mean a lot of times we we think about physical and uh injuries or 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 illnesses or chronic illnesses and we forget that part of the way that we keep ourselves sane is by having social contact in some way and and people with with these chemical sensitivities have um have had to think about it every day of their lives for so many things that we're not in we're not inventing any any new system 
we're just taking the knowledge from the people that do it every day. And, and that's why this is an organization that is uh, led by uh, queer and uh, disabled people. Um, I think the, 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 the five of us that are core members of DJCC all identify as disabled or uh, people of color. Um, and I think that that is something that we as DJCC want to do is continue to empower the people that already know how to do this and teach us that that have been completely clueless to what life really looks like for an individual with disabilities and and um and kind of kind of like now we get to take care we shouldn't have to but now we get to tell you how better to take care of yourself instead of of you telling us what to do with our with our uh, bodies and our uh, illnesses because we're not we shouldn't be a burden to you uh, because you need to breathe outside why would you why would you have to need people uh, using uh, unscented hand sanitizer that's just such a burden for everybody I I, I am being completely sarcastic and mm -hmm. I, I know you know that but just, reaffirming it <laughs> yeah totally i've had a lot of sarcasm lately too i just keep like looking around and people are you know in many cases really struggling with how to do social isolation how to talk to other people about risk and exposure and um and how to take care of themselves and how to even like clean stuff and I'm like oh if only there were groups of people who've had this experience before that um, non-disabled people could like look to for answers and it's like there are so many like disabled and aging people as you said before who already live under these conditions and it's not new and yet those are also the people right now who are the most at risk for not being prioritized for ventilators or for medical care um, in hospitals and um, and it's like what what is even happening here um, you know and a lot of people have been talking about how forms of accessibility are being made available now for non-disabled people that have been denied to disabled people for so long and so i am it's really great for me to have the example of djcc um, and all of the different kind of levels that y'all are operating at um, making hand sanitizer designing air purifiers um, but also doing advocacy also coordinating resources um, and this is really what everybody should be doing right now i think not just um, during Corona, uh, yeah, all during an emergency. That's what everybody should be doing every day. And we shouldn't have to take care of ourselves. And uh, we shouldn't have to uh, think about these things every day. Like if it was a survival, like if you think about it, we're, we're trying to survive every day in these conditions already. So like you said, these are people that are being left behind because now the people that have it all every day 
are needing some of the things that we need every day and don't have. Mm, yeah. Yeah. So many people are taking more than their fair share. And as you said before, it's often people with the most resources who all also like get access to what is needed and also are able to like ask for that too. So um, I read about how you all were, um, you know, prioritizing distributing the hand sanitizers that you made with like unhoused folks who may not have access to like the spreadsheets and like the Google forms and things like that to ask for um, resources. So um, that's also a really important part of what you're doing that I think should be highlighted. I mean, even even people that are on house, just uh, right now, what we're having people do is if they have not, they don't have access to uh, the internet or a computer where they can fill it out or just are not able to um, access it in any of the languages that we have them in or the print is too small or they're just not tech savvy. Um, if, if you think about it, those people right now are getting no help other than, than if they have family members and their family members are well resourced and they have family members in town that can actually get them to these resources. Um, so we're having people call and we're pairing them with volunteers to fill out these uh, um, uh, Google Forms uh, so that we can get these uh, resources to, to, to people. Um, and not just people that have the access to a computer and an internet. Yeah, that's so important right now. Um, I've been talking to a lot of abolitionists also about how incarcerated folks are, um, you know, put at a lot of risk right now, but also it's really hard to build mutual aid networks. And so, um, you know, the sort of thing that you're describing too is a potential way for like, if the system that is set up to distribute mutual aid is not available to someone, then like having direct people that you're in contact with so that you can ask for what you need or to say what you're able to give is an important part of it. Um, so uh, my last question for you is, what do you imagine is gonna happen in the future? And what are some of the challenges and opportunities that you feel like are coming around all of this for organizing solidarity and mutual aid um, for disabled people? And what are some of the things that you want people to um, be careful about and be thinking about as they're doing this? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think that I would ask people to think about before asking uh, someone for help, whether they can act, access help from others and to think about their community, their immediate community, so that the, so that the um, resources out there are going to the people that are most needed. Um, and that is not in any way, shape or, or form, 
saying, if you need it, don't come and ask for it. Please, I invite you to come and ask for it. This is why we exist. And um, I'm just reiterating again the fact that the people that have resources mm. know how to get them. Mm. And, um, and once you are tapped into those resources, tell a friend, you know, tell a neighbor, check in with your neighbor, see if how they're doing, um, you know, utilize your resources to, to lend, lend someone, uh, some help too. Um, and if you have resources, we need them. Um, how does this, what does this look like for the future? How does this look like in the future? Um, it, can, it looks like it, like in many ways, very differently. Um, but I, don't, I think that one thing that I would like to uh, invite people to do is just to think about how we can, um, continue to bring up these topics and continue to push for resources that should be um, given to us. Um, and not just because there's a pandemic, um, because there's people that need them every day. We have on, we have an on-house commu uh, community that is struggling every day, way before any of this started happening. And I can't imagine how much how many people are going to be left with so many needs after not being able to work um, because our government is still getting paid. Our health officials are still getting paid. Uh, people with uh, uh, medical degrees and uh, which I, I, I feel like they should be getting paid. But now the people that had to go to work sick every day uh, for the past years that can't even put set a foot outside their house are not getting any any resources met because unemployment is so 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 great right now and all these needs are not being met in their everyday lives already. So ways that we can continue talking about this and continue pushing for things to happen and bringing uh, awareness to the things that happen every day to uh, our communities. Um, I think it's important for us to not just think about it as an emergency uh, situation, but what happens after this. I don't think that any of us will be the same um, after this, but that's not saying much either. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just want to keep in mind that this is, there's going to be 
more that has to come from just this pandemic and this emergency um, because if we don't think we're just having to do it all over again in the next emergency what's it gonna be for us to like start actually creating things in place uh, that are not just a response of for an emergency and like I said a lot of us live like this every day um, and already think about it um, but I just also feel like we shouldn't be the only ones that do that that have to think about it and have to feel so under-resourced every day in order to survive. Um, and what that looks like, like, like just start this uh, conversation with your family members, create um, checking protocols and uh, checking on your elders and checking on your neighbors. Um, let's not leave anybody behind. Yeah, absolutely. That's a perfect place for us to wrap up on that note about solidarity and not leaving anyone behind. Um, thank you so much, Jay, for all of the insights that you provided here. And um, could you say just a brief a little bit about how people can support the Disability Justice Culture Club if they're listening to this? Well, we are accepting financial donations uh, uh, through PayPal. Uh, or Venmo uh, at, at DJCC. Uh, and um, we're also accepting any uh, donations of, we have people reaching out to us that need um, masks and just any kind of resource that you may have the ability to uh, pay forward to, to, to somebody, we, uh, we will definitely find uh, a, a new home for it. Um, so yeah, and, and please volunteer, offer your resources, um, fill out that form, and if you can go out for somebody, or if it, even if you're going out for yourself and you can pick up a, a, a few stuff for your neighbor, please do so. And, and, and yeah. Yeah, perfect. I'll make sure to um, include links to all of that in the show notes for this episode. You've been listening to Contra, a podcast about disability, design justice, and the life world. Contra is a production of the Critical Design Lab. Learn more about our projects at mapping-access.com and be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. If you've enjoyed this episode, please head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. The Contra Podcast is licensed under a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, share-alike, international 3.0 license. That means you can remix, repost, or recycle any of the content as long as you cite the original source, aren't making money, you don't change the credits, and you share it under the same license.